0: Colin and family and and everybody else, I I experienced you being hospitable to us. Uh, There was a sense that I I just experienced that there was this welcome. There was this service. It's not about them. It's about our glorious God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And as we gather in this place, we have many people online as well. uh, We're going to start a brand new series on the book of Exodus. In fact, we're going to spend six months in the book of Exodus. So that means we're going to fly through it. We really could spend forty years uh, in this, but uh, but the reality is we're gonna we're gonna step into something very significant. Before I, I begin, there, I want to let you know. Next week, we've got a special Sunday. How many of you, just show of hands, have ever been part of our beach baptisms down on? Uh, uh, will Rogers State Beach. Put those hands up. How many of you have ever been there or been baptized? Looks like uh, many of you. And if you have never been, we'd love for you to come down to celebrate what God is doing as people go public with their faith. I met some people this morning who normally attend the 830 service and they're saying, I've never been baptized. How do I sign up? If you'd like to be baptized, flip your bulletin over. All the information is in the back. And you can get there at 4 o'clock. First people will be getting in the water at 430. We're going to worship together. We're going to, on a beautiful California Sunday afternoon, it's going to be glorious weather, uh, give witness to the fact that people are going public with their faith through baptism. In addition to that, next week, the following week, two weeks from now, we're going to be kicking off our uh, fall programs and ministries. All the information of some of those new things are kicking off inside your bulletin, so on the back and on the inside. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is getting kicked off next Saturday. And uh, you'll notice on the back... We're going to be going through uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend's resource of boundaries, uh, a great opportunity for you if you're experiencing relationships that you need to set better boundaries in. You can sign up for that and be part of that. It's kicking off in two weeks. All right. So six months in Exodus. Why Why Exodus? Uh, The reason why is because it's one of the most significant and important books of the Bible. In fact, I know many of you, you value justice around the world. But did you know that justice has its origins in the exodus story. I know many of you, you value morality. Did you know that morality has its origins in the exodus story. I know many of you, you value worship through singing. Did you know that the first worship song was in the exodus story. I know many of you, you value the Bible but did you know that the Bible has its origin in the exodus story. Maybe some of you are like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. Isn't it the second book of the Bible? I mean, Genesis came before it. But there was no human there when God said, let there be light. So how do we know that that actually happened? Well, the Exodus story we're going to discover is where God, uh, in a relational face-to-face sort of way, share with Moses, who is the writer of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the events of what transpired in the cosmos as God spoke all things into existence. In fact, if you love the Bible... It begins in the Exodus story. If you value living in a world where the golden rule is valued, whether people are believers or not, did you know that golden rule of loving your neighbor as yourself, it has its origin in the Exodus story? Two of the songs that we sang this morning are rooted in the Exodus story. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper today. And I know you value that. It has its origin in the Exodus story. In fact, Exodus is referenced more often than any other book of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Jesus speaks about Moses more than any other Old Testament figure. In fact, we're going to discover that this God that reveals God's self, who reveals his personal name, who saves, who rescues, who protects, who provides, who gives love, who gives covenant, who gives mercy, is the same God that invites us to experience God in a personal way. The same God who rescues us, who provides for us, who who gives us his covenant love. In fact, the more that we understand the Exodus story and the origins of the nation of Israel, we actually begin to understand the origins of our story. In fact, all of what Jesus says that the Old Testament is, is it points to him. To understand the Exodus story is to understand Jesus. This is your story, this gives you hope. This gives you an identity, it gives you a future, it gives you a purpose, it it grounds you, it orients you on how to to face the most difficult and even the most joyous things of life. And we're going to see over these next six months this theme that just keeps coming up again and again and again, and it's this, that God, full of truth and grace, is present with us in every moment to reclaim us, to rename us and repurpose us for his glory. I'm going to say that again we're going to see. And and actually, I hope this becomes a prayer for you. I hope this this phrase, which you're going to hear over the next six months, is written on your hearts, on your minds, becomes just part of who you are. I hope that when you're in the middle of a, a fight with your spouse or a kid or a parent, in the midst of a difficult situation at work, waiting in the doctor's office, waiting to hear the news of what the test results are, that perhaps on the freeway or in the midst of a a very difficult situation, wherever you are, where you feel like, what do I do now? That these words would bubble up in the form of a prayer. God, full of truth and grace, you're present in this moment to reclaim me, to rename me, to repurpose me for your glory. Well, why don't we open up our Bibles to Exodus 1, verses 1 through 10... Uh, we're going to have a lot of time to dive into this and dig into this. And many of you, I pray and I hope that you would actually read ahead. That this season maybe you would uh, reorient your, your scripture reading. If you were with us last week, I challenge you, spend 30 minutes a day for the next 30 days reading the Bible. How many of you have experienced that this week, by the way, just to call back to last week. Now how many of you did you find that difficult once you got into it? Yes. Uh, I shared last week that the life of uh, living as a Christian, the spiritual life is actually a life in a state of constant warfare. And if you missed that sermon, you can go online, you can download our uh, podcast through uh, iTunes, you can download our app as well. And you can get caught up on the tail end of the Galatians series. But let me read for us Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. If you're joining us online, I'm reading through the New Revised Standard Version. If you don't have a Bible, uh, physical or on your phone, there's a red pew Bible in front of you. Or if you're in the front row, cubby behind your legs. Take that with you if you don't own a Bible. We'd rather it be in your life, a gift from us to you. And let me read Exodus 1, verses 1 through 10. These are the names of the sons of Israel... Who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his own household Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, God, and Asher. The total number of people born to Jacob was 70, but Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and that whole generation. But The Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them or they will increase and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land." This, is my friends, the reading of God's Word. Alright, leave those Bibles open. Take a look in verse 1, those first five words that begin. These are the names of. Now I want you to flip a few pages back or scroll left on your screens to Genesis 46, 8. Now these. Are the names of. You've got to know that the Exodus story is not a new story. Uh, It's not a, a, a sidebar adventure. Not only in the English, but also in the Hebrew language, which is the language of the Old Testament, it is very clear, very purposeful, in the exact same order that Moses, who wrote Genesis as well, now writing Exodus links this moment in Israel's history to something that's already happened. Well, what's already happened? Well, we know quickly that God in Genesis 12 spoke to Abram at the ripe old age of 75. I'm going to... Do something in your life. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a family even though you don't have any kids. I'm going to make your nation and your offspring so great that actually you're going to be more fruitful than all the stars in the sky. And, in fact, your offspring, through your offspring, all the world will be blessed through you. So Abraham later on has a son Isaac who has a son Jacob whose name is later changed to Israel who has 12 sons. And right now Israel isn't a nation, it's not a people, it's not a place, it's a family. A family whom God said the whole world would be blessed through. The problem was is that one of those sons, Joseph, began having dreams. He began sharing those dreams with his family. That caused his brothers to get jealous. And if you know the Genesis story, you know that, Joseph, why would you share those dreams? It comes across as, you know, a little arrogant, a little conceited. And so they are Upset with their brother, to say the least. And what they do is they throw their brother into a pit. They leave him for dead. And he is sold into slavery into Egypt. That's how Israel's family got connected to a new part of the globe in Egypt. He's enslaved. And it's a great reminder that in the midst of uh, things that seem on the surface to be going bad, God is still present God is still active God is still doing mighty and marvelous things and so in the midst of that he begins to have dreams and he shares those dreams with someone that gets word to the pharaoh of the time and basically one of the dreams is this we're about to have a season in Egypt where there's going to be tremendous bounty and then after that there's going to be a season where there's tremendous drought and famine so Joseph gets word to the pharaoh that if you would store up for yourself the food during this bounty Hold on to it. Don't just spend it or get rid of it. Store it so that during the time of famine, you're going to be able to get through it alive. And so the Pharaoh listens. He does so. They have the time of plenty, they get into the famine, and all of a sudden, it's one of the only, it is, it's the only nation in that part of the world that is able to survive this famine. People are dying all around. And the fantastic thing is that Israel's family gets word They think Joseph is dead, but they get word that there's food in Egypt. So they make the long trek. They go from where they were living into Egypt, and there's that great moment where all of a sudden they realize that this is their brother that they left for dead. And there's that famous line in the book of Genesis where Joseph says to his brothers, what you intended for harm, God used for good. And what's so absolutely remarkable is that when you look at that moment of how even though Joseph goes into slavery, it was because of that that ultimately the nation of Israel could grow out of a family because they survived the famine, because now they're there, experiencing the result of this vision that God had given Joseph. Joseph. So now, time goes by, generations go by, and uh, the family of Israel begins to grow. This is the tail end of Genesis. And as they're growing, every single pharaoh looks at these people as being an offspring of Joseph, and they are found as favorable people, even though they live in a foreign land. But then something happens, and that's the the catalyst, the inciting incident, as it were, for the, the Exodus story. Open those Bibles back up and take a look what it says In Exodus 1, 7, but the Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. This was a family that was getting larger and larger and larger and larger and larger. And then in verse 8, now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now later on, if you'd like, you can read the book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 7, where Stephen... Uh, gives a speech in front of Jewish leaders. And he tells of this story. And the phrase he uses in the Greek language is that you know that a different kind of king rose to power. In the Greek language, in Acts 7, in Stephen's speech, basically isn't just saying another king rose up. This is an altogether different kind of king. In fact, the prophet Isaiah tells us that this king was an Egyptian He was a Syrian. We don't know if he came into power through war, through might, or he married into the family. We don't know what that is. But this is an altogether different kind of king who all of a sudden looks at the Jewish people, this family that is growing, sees them no longer as an asset. He sees them as a threat. Now, the reason why it's so essential for us to understand this story is because we see that God is in the midst of even some of the darkest moments in human history. How many of you, show of hands, have ever experienced a season in your life where, you know, things are going well? You know, the kids are happy, you know, uh, work's going well. You know, you, you've caught up kind of on your email and your voicemail. Your, your, your house is kind of relatively clean. You know, you, health-wise, you're, you know, you're doing pretty well. You know, things are good, but all of a sudden something happens. And no longer is there peace, no longer is there joy, no longer is there security, no longer are things okay. All of a sudden, something shifts. How many of you have ever gone from that moment to that moment? Show of hands. That's why you need to know the Exodus story. Because this family had found favor, they had peace, they had joy, they had security, they had love, and they became slaves. They became oppressed. You see, you've got to understand that the Exodus story doesn't just start in slavery. It actually, before that, starts in a time of peace, and then people become enslaved. Now, you know, perhaps, that 430 years have gone by where they're enslaved. Absolutely horrific. Uh, For all intents and purposes, uh, medically speaking, sociologically speaking, uh, physiologically speaking, uh, the conditions that historians say existed during that time should have caused that people to die off. But the opposite happened. They grew in number. They multiplied. They thrived. And though it seems like God is absolutely silent... God is absolutely in the midst, taking this family to become a people. And we're going to see throughout this sermon series how God arrives. And you're going to see this constant theme again and again, that God, full of truth and grace, is present in every single moment. To reclaim them, to rename them, to repurpose them for his glory. You're going to see this theme all throughout. And the imagery that pops up during this amazing story confirms that. Now open those Bibles back up, take a look. At this. In verse 7, the Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong. Now, the Hebrew language, uh, there's a really odd word that's used there to describe that. Uh, it's a word that is normally used to describe the multiplication of insects. Uh, it, it gives the image of a, a growing swarm. How many of you have ever had a termite problem, uh, And Anything like that? How many of you have ever been camping and just overwhelmed with mosquitoes or gnats or chiggers or all those things, right? Uh, It's an awful experience where you are just uh, caught up in a swarm. Only twice in the entire Bible is that word used to apply to human beings. Here and before that in Genesis 9 where God promises Noah... I'm going to multiply your offspring. I'm going to multiply your family. And in the midst of this slavery, God is so present allowing them to flourish. And what's so beautiful, as we march through this story, you're going to see things that on the surface seem like God is not there when in actual fact he is. Another thing that we're going to find as we go throughout this sermon series is you're going to hit moments where you might say, well, that's really archaic, and that's weird, and that's odd. But the opposite is actually true. Uh, Last time I'll have you raise your hands. Uh, Actually, let me have you blink twice. Should we do that? Should we do that? It didn't work in the the 830. Uh, I'm like, no one moved, you know. How many of you have ever read through the Old Testament and gotten to a place where you're just saying, what is this? Anybody else like me? Okay. Uh, You're going to hit a lot of those in Exodus, by the way. I had somebody in the coffee shop from the 830 service say, why Exodus, Drew? I just can't stand it. And okay, I'm open to it. And I thought about leaving the church during the season, but it's six months and I don't want to be, a true story, I don't want to be away from Bel Air for six months. I'm stuck here. Here's one of many, many, many examples where uh, you might look at it, you might encounter it and say, that's weird. One of those you'll discover in the Exodus story is that God gives a command to the nation of Israel uh, that if you have, parents, a wayward child, kind of caught in sin, kind of caught living a life apart from God, Uh, you can now bring them in front of the elders, the leaders of the community, and if the leaders find that kid of yours guilty, they can put them to death. Some of you are like, I brought a guest. Why would you bring that up? Why did you bring that up? Oh, why did you bring that up? Well, let me tell you. That was one of the most significant moral advancements in human history at that moment. Hang with me here. Up until that moment, parents had the authority and the right to kill their kids. You might have no sense of how that could be true, but in actual fact, not only back then, but actually there's parts of the world today where parents, in particular regions of the world, uh, in particular tribes, in particular worldviews, even religious worldviews, who have the authority to To kill their kids. I know some of you parents, you secretly feel like it sometimes. You're not going to do it. You would never say that. But there's certain parts of the world where this happens today. So God, full of truth and grace, doesn't want to remove authority from parents. But does something absolutely marvelous. He comes in and says, parents, you don't have the right To choose the guilt of your child. So, you should entrust the judgment of that to elected elders, leaders within your community. And if they believe that your child is guilty, then have them put them to death. You know why that was a massive moral advancement at that point in human history? Jewish historians have stepped back, have studied the nation of Israel's history as a people and as a nation, and they don't have one moment in recorded history where elders put a child to death. Up until that moment, parents would be killing kids. You might look at this and say, that's so archaic. God stopped the killing of kids through that command. That's just one of thousands of things that you could uncover and see in Exodus. As I said before, if you value justice, if you value morality, if you care about how we should treat immigrants, it is found in the Exodus story. In fact, one of the most common commands in all the Old Testament is care for the foreigner in your midst. Don't oppress them because, why? Because you were once a foreigner in a foreign land in Egypt. And there's this theme that keeps coming up where God reveals God's self, full of truth and grace. He's present in every moment. He reclaims them and says, you're not pharaohs, you're mine. He renames them and says, you're beloved. You're not a slave. You're not just an object. You are You're precious. He repurposes them. He says, You don't exist to live for a taskmaster. You exist for my glory, to spread love and and truth and grace, to be a blessing to all the nations. He doesn't just do that for them back then, he does that for us now. And what's so fascinating about this Exodus story is the moment God rescues the people, they celebrate and then they complain. They promise, I'm going to be obedient. And then they're disobedient. They say, I'll never forget. And they forget. I can relate so much. In actual fact, the Exodus story, Jesus says, is a type, is a picture of our story. The truth is, is that we're all enslaved. We're all imprisoned. And many of us, we don't even know it. And we have one Who is the true and greater Moses, Jesus, who comes, who on our behalf rescues us, who redeems us, who splits the sea so we can walk right through it as we sang before, who is present with us as we sang before, who leads us out, draws us in, who reclaims us, and says, You are not a slave to your work, you're not owned by your reputation. You're not owned by how you look or what people say about you. You're mine, God says. Then he renames you and says, you are precious. You are beloved. You are God's masterpiece. And he repurposes you. He sends you. He says, you're my ambassadors. You're my hands and my feet, Jesus says. I'm so excited. I mean, you, I'm just so excited because the Exodus story is our story. And you know what's so fascinating? Where we live in the U.S., especially in L.A., we have so many Jewish brothers and sisters that could actually help us understand our story better. My wife and I were invited to celebrate Rosh Hashanah in the home of the senior uh, rabbi and his wife and kids uh, coming up in a couple of weeks from Stephen Wise Temple. And, uh, you know, the next time I see Rabbi Yoshi, I want to say, Tell me about the Exodus story. Because I need to know my origin story. I need to know about this Moses character that Jesus talks about more than any other character in the Old Testament. I need to understand what it means when God shows up and says, I am who I am. Because Jesus takes that I am statement and he puts that upon himself and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus takes all of that, he puts that upon himself. And he says, let me rescue you. Let me redeem you. Let me lead you out. Let me draw you in. So I pray that you would not just experience this yourself, but that you would share it with others. Open those uh, bulletins up. There's a postcard in the inside. That postcard was created by a gentleman. You can look him up on Instagram, social media. He's known as Scott the Painter. Give him a follow. This guy uh, does phenomenal work. And so he has actually shared with us uh, some original art for the next eight weeks of the... uh, the sermon series that we're in. And you'll notice that postcard on the inside. Flip it over. It's, it's literally a postcard. When was the last time you saw a postcard formatted uh, there for you? And you'll notice it's got some scripture. It's got the main theme. It's got some questions. Here's my challenge to you online in person. This week, have one Christ-centered conversation with somebody who's not part of Bel Church. I'm going to say the same thing next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. My hope and my prayer is that over the next 8 weeks as we begin the Exodus series that you would talk maybe it's the same person 8 different times. Maybe it's 8 different people, somebody you work with, a neighbor, a family member, a friend, whoever it might be and perhaps use this as a resource. Now some of you are going to go super old school analog, right? And you're going to mail the postcard to somebody. And maybe you're going to say, "Hey, I don't know what this, this is, but uh, let's talk about it. There was a takeaway that I had. I, I, you know, I'd love to ask you a question. Describe a season of peace in your life that was unexpectedly disrupted. How does this make you feel? I want to get to know you better. Because we work together. I guarantee you, if you are open to that challenge, that God is going to be present in your life in ways that you need in ways that those people need. And so often we go through life and we just hold things for ourselves, but God says, no, I'm reclaiming you, renaming you, and repurposing you for my glory. Don't let this Exodus series just be something that you just consume for yourself. Be consumed by it for his glory, to be sent out, used by him. And I hope that this is a tangible thing that you can use, whether you send it, whether you show up at somebody's house, whether you bring it to work, whatever it might be.